0: All right, this morning, I want to uh, read to you one of the most famous parables that Jesus gave. This is known as the parable of the prodigal son. We read about it in Luke, the 15th chapter. It says, Jesus continued. He said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, hey, pops, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them Now, I don't know what uh, was in play here in terms of the culture of the day or whatever, or why the father would agree to give him all of his inheritance at once. Usually, you got to wait for pops to die before you get anything, you know. But uh, the way this was structured out, he asked for it, and dad said, okay. And he gave him the money that he wanted, and uh, so he divided up the property. Well, not long after that. And you know what? It doesn't take long for money to mess with you. This is a surety. People who seem to be like the nicest people in the world, the most sane people in the world, when money gets involved, they go crazy. Some of the most wonderful families in the world who all get along famously go psycho when granny dies and leaves them all a bunch of money and pretty soon they're all fighting. Like a bunch of cats in a room full of rocking chairs. And everybody gets all crazy and ugly and nasty. Why? Because money has a way of messing with people. And it doesn't take long. If you want one thing that'll get people emotionally upset, it always comes to money. By the way, be careful you don't let that happen in your life. If there's one thing that'll send church people into a tizzy. <laughs> Money. If something isn't just exactly handled the right way, people get crazy when it comes to money. Why? Because people love money. Money, 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 money. They just love it. Man, if you're the place where you go crazy, oh, well, I don't love money. Yeah, well, how do you react when the money isn't being touched the way you think it should be or not being shared equally? You get all crazy and psycho and all critical and stuff like that. That's a bad sign. Your heart's way too close to The money. Now, we need to be as responsible as we possibly can with the money, certainly in an organization like this. And we're very open about the money and stuff like that. But heaven's sakes, people, check your medication. Just stay calm. Don't go psycho crazy because of the money. All right? So not long after this, the younger son got together all he had. He thought, man, I got some jack, jack, and I'm out of here. So he took off, set off for a distant country, and what does he do there? He squandered his wealth in wild living. Also, another sign of happens to people with money. It's amazing how many people who get a lot of money lose it very quickly. It doesn't take long. It's amazing to see how many people win things like the lottery and stuff. and They got all this money and within a short amount of time, they have nothing. You know, there's this theory that's been sent out. They say that if you took everybody in the world, took all the wealth of the world and distributed it evenly to everybody, everybody had the exact same amount of money, they theorized it would take as little as five years before the people who were poor will be poor again and the people who had the money I have the money again. Why? Because we're not very smart with money. And people do dumb things and they waste money and they go through it like drunken monkeys and all of a sudden they got nothing. That's what this kid did. Young man gets all this money and what's he do? He squanders it all. Wild parties, man. Women, parties, having a great... And I'll bet you he was extremely popular. I bet you people really liked him a lot. All the so-called friends that he had in the world, All came around him. Why? Because he was a party waiting to happen. And he was quick to go through all the money, man. And just woo, 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 woo. By the way, if you've prayed, God give me a bunch of money and he hasn't, this is probably why. (laughs) Somebody say amen. Amen. Oh, God will just give me the lottery. God ain't giving you the lottery. Why not? Because he's not that stupid. (laughs) He knows you'll blow like a drunken monkey. You say, well, that won't change me. Yeah, it will just like it changes everybody. Money is, can be a very dangerous thing in your life. Be smart with what you got. God will bless you and give you more as you are generous, but he's not just gonna, not very likely going to just dump tons of money in your lap just because you're so cute. Anyway, it says after he spent everything, which I'm sure didn't take all that long, there was a severe famine in that whole land, maybe major economic downturn. And now he began to be in need. And I'm sure that all those wonderful friends that he had when it was party time and he had all this money and they very popular, I bet you when he began to be in need and suddenly he didn't have the jack, all those friends disappeared. So you really see what people are made of when you are on the needing end of the equation. So in a desperate situation, he goes out and he hires himself out to a citizen of that country. Hard for him. He's been the golden child in his family. Dad only has the two sons. He's obviously a very wealthy man. Sure was treated extraordinarily well in his home. Mom and pops and everybody giving him all the attention and gets all his inheritance. He goes. He's on top of the world. Now everything's changed. Now, he's got to go look for a job and does it so in desperation. This is very humiliating to him. And not only did he finally get a job, he got a job from a guy who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now I have to understand this is particularly insulting in this culture because in this culture, uh, they had nothing to do with pigs. They weren't allowed to eat pigs uh, for you to wind up working and taking care of pigs was really, really low on the totem pole. And it was bad enough that he was feeding pigs, but apparently the pigs were living better than he was. It says that he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He was barely surviving on the income that he had. The pigs were... Living it up, man. They had all this food. And while he was living high on the hog, now he's envious of the hogs because he's looking at these hogs, getting everything they want and able to eat all this. And he starts to envy the very pigs that he is serving. And then Jesus says this, when he came to his senses, thank God for that moment in life where people come to their senses. It's amazing what some of us have had to go through before we came to our senses and started serving God. As I look around here this morning, some of you I know, some of you I don't know, but there's some stories out there, Jack, that are just freaky out, man, if you heard it, of some of the stuff some of you have gone through. I mean, the relationships, the money that's been lost, wasted, the alcohol, the drugs, the promiscuous living, the horrible, horrible paths so many of us in this room have taken and had to take before we finally came to our senses and thought, What am I doing? I need God in my life. And why you're here this morning, and glad that you're here this morning, but it takes sometimes an awful lot. You know, and sometimes people wonder, you know, why is my life so hard? I'll tell you why. Because God loves you. God loves you enough to knock you upside the head. Amen. He loves you enough to stick you in a place where you start looking at pigs and saying, man, I wish I was like that. That's the love of God in your life. You know, the people I feel sorry for are the people who never get that point. It seems to serve, life is always okay for them. They never really get to a place where they need God. Those are not the people to be envied, I promise you. Those are the people to be pitied the most. The ones that be envied is that God has worked enough in your life to smack you upside the head hard enough that you finally come to your senses and realize that you need God in your life. So anyway, he comes to his senses and he says, man, this just bites my translation. <laughs> he says, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? Man, the guy in the lowest part of the totem pole has all the money. He so here I am starving to death. He says, I will set out. I'll go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned. He got this little, this little speech together. He rehearsed it. He rehearsed it well. So what I'm going to say, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm not asking that you, you put me back in a place of, of being your son. Would you just give me a job? You know, I, I realize I don't deserve anything. I, could, could, I just, could I just get a job in, in the barn or something? That's, that's all I'm asking. Because he knew how bad he had been. He got to a place where he came to a senses. He humbled himself. Reminds me of another parable Jesus taught in Luke the 18th chapter referring to some who are confident in their own righteousness and they look down on everybody else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, a very religious man, a holy man, very holy pastor, you know, everybody liked this guy, very religious. And the other was a tax collector. Now I have to understand, in this culture, they hated the tax collector. Now we all probably hate paying taxes and stuff like that, but, uh, but it was much worse than that for these people. First of all, they are an occupied nation. The Roman Empire has occupied them. And anyone who became a tax collector was considered a collaborator with the enemy. They hated these men, considered them traitors to their own nation. And not only did they collect taxes for Caesar, but they would often overtax and line their own pockets off the backs of others. And they became very, very wealthy these People hated tax collectors. When Jesus said one was a religious guy and the other one was a tax collector, he's given the tale of two cities here. Major contrast. Well, the Pharisee gets up to pray and he stood up and prayed about himself God, I thank you that I'm not like these other guys robbers, evildoers, adulterers. Thank God I'm not like them. Now, I would hope no one here would be arrogant enough to stand up and pray, God, thank you. I'm not like those people on the other side of the church. But make no mistake, at some point, we've all thought in our mind, thank God I ain't like that guy. (laughs) Some of you are thinking about that right now, about the guy next to you. But anyway, uh, you know, I mean, it's easy for us to think, you know, well, thank God I'm not like somebody else. He says, or even like this tax. He saw this tax collector over there. They, they despise these people. He's basically, said, thank God, I'm not like evil people. Thank you, God, I'm not like sinners. And thank God I'm not like that guy. He says, I fast twice a week. This is a very devout man. I'm lucky if I fast twice a year. This guy fasts twice a week. And he was faithful to give 10% of everything he got. I give a tenth of all that I get. Very devout, very committed, but very self righteous. He thought he was holy in his own because he wasn't like others. But then the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and he just said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Here's a man who humbled himself before God. And Jesus says, I tell you, that this man, the one who beat his chest, this sinner... Rather than the other went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, I feel the sorriest for people who, they're pretty good. I know that sounds crazy. but I feel sorry. Because the people who, a lot of people who are really pretty good all their lives, they never get a sense that they need God. My dad was like that at one time. He finally came to Christ, you know, probably about 10, 15 years after we did. But in the beginning, he couldn't even, why would I need God? Why would I need forgiveness? Because he was the nicest man in the world. You know what people like this? Well, my dad, everybody loved my dad. I never heard my dad ever curse or even say a nasty, semi naughty word, nothing out of this guy's mouth. He was one of the nicest men in the world, didn't know Jesus. But one of the nice and it was hard for him to come to a place where he finally he did come to Christ because he came to his senses because of some very deep emotional struggles he was having and dealing with depression and stuff. That's what brought him. Again, God loves you enough to knock you upside the head, get your attention. But it was hard for him because he was such a nice guy. He didn't do anything wrong, didn't take anything from everybody, never was mad at anybody. You, know, you need to be careful you don't compare yourself to other people. You know, you might be the filthiest sinner in the world. and Let's say we dug the deepest ditch we could possibly make on the earth and put you at the bottom of that pit. Maybe you're a really nice person. We put you on top of Mount Everest. Now, that's a huge difference, isn't it? Mount Everest, the deepest pit. But can you imagine coming to these two guys and saying, all right, now reach up and touch the stars doesn't matter, see. The guy might be on top of Mount Everest, but he still can't touch the stars. The guy in the pit might think he has a great advantage, but there's no advantage because neither one of them can touch the stars. You have to understand, no matter how good you are, you cannot touch God on your own. You can't be good enough on your own. I don't care how much better you are than your neighbor. I don't care how much better you are than people you see on TV. I don't care how much nicer you are than the guy who kicks his dog don't just compare yourself to how deep of a hole somebody else might be in remember we're all trying to reach heaven and you can't do it on your own we all need God we need to have a humble heart don't come before God I'm I'm a pretty nice guy No, no no we are all desperate sinners who desperately need God's forgiveness in our life regardless of where we are in life you know, so many churches today, they're so careful not to make anybody feel bad about anything, which I think is sad. You need, people need to come to their senses about stuff. I was listening to a guy recently some church, I was traveling, I can't remember where it was at, but he was boasting that at their church, they tell people when they sin, not, don't, don't feel any sense of guilt uh, or shame. I'm going, hello, what do you mean? No sense of guilt. you some wrong. You need to feel guilt and shame. This is what brings us to repentance, for crying out loud. Now, I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to avoid condemnation. Condemnation is when you're rotten and you're filthy and you're no good and you'll never be any good and there's nothing you can do. That's condemnation. That's not what we talk about here. There is no condemnation in the kingdom of God. Because there's always hope for you. No matter what a squirrel you are, God still loves you. But to think that you should never feel any guilt or shame is absurd. We need to feel guilt and shame brings us to a place of humility. To where we beat our chest and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Anyway, back to our first parable. Guy comes to himself, comes to his senses. So he gets up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, and you can imagine how difficult this Everything's new today. I got words underneath me I can dance on. But while he got up and went to well, while, I'm sorry, I got a very short mind. <laughs> while he was still a long way off. And you can imagine what a painful journey this had to be for him. As he's walking, he feels humiliated. He feels a great sense of shame which was normal and healthy. And off in the distance, he can see Dad's house. While part of him had to delight that he was finally coming home, how embarrassing this is. Dad's going to be furious. He's going to rail on me. He, He may not even let me on the property. But I, but I got my little speech. I, I, I know I'm not your son anymore. I, I know I don't deserve anything. I, I, I just want a job. Can I just get a job? How each step had to be agonizing for him as he's stepping what he is sure will be into an environment of pure humiliation and rejection. And he presses forward. He starts to get close. But while he was still away off, his father saw him and was filled with not anger and bitterness, but with compassion for him. And he starts to run to his son. And he's running, and, and the son looks and he sees dad running to him. And he's probably thinking, oh no, he's got to be furious. He's going to scream at me, he's going to yell at me. He's going to tell me to get off his property. I just have my little speech. I'm ready. I'm ready. I know I don't deserve anything. Here he comes. Here he comes. But Jesus said, he runs to his son, and when he gets there, he throws his arms around him, and he kisses him. But I don't think the guy realized what was happening because he just goes into his speech that he'd already rehearsed. He doesn't realize that dad is trying to show compassion and he's thrilled to see him. He just says, okay, uh, dad, uh, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And before he can get to the rest of the speech, the father yells to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it bad news if you're the calf and let us let us have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and he's alive again he was lost and he's found so they began to celebrate I'm sure the son had to be in a state of shock tears streaming down his face thinking Why is everybody happy? I'm a scuzzbag, man. I deserve nothing. I shouldn't even be here. I have done things so wrong. I have humiliated my father. And yet they're singing and they're dancing and they're partying. And how his mind must have been overwhelmed by this celebration of grace in his life. But Jesus continues the story. He says, meanwhile, meanwhile, back at the ranch... The older son was in the field. When he came near the house he heard music and dancing. The DJs pumping up the jams. Da 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 da. Woo! Celebrate good time. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that, I don't know. So he calls one of the servants and says, what is going on? And the servant says, your brother has come, and your father has killed a fatted calf. Again, bad news for the calf. But he has made, taken him back, and he's safe and sound, and he's celebrating. You would think the older brother would go, awesome, he's back. He's back. But it says the older brother became angry, refused to go in. He didn't want any part of it. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours wasn't his brother, it was the son of yours. I remember my mother saying that to my dad, that's son of yours. (laughs) What? I just got disowned, you know, whatever. Son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home. Then you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. His answer to the son, to the older brother was, dude, everything I got is here for you. You can have a party anytime you want. You can celebrate anytime you want. Everything is available to you. But he had not taken advantage of any of it. He just got envious towards the younger brother who was getting all the attention. And make no mistake, this has been true as long as I'm sure the church has been around and why Jesus told the parable this way. But if there was one thing that happens, it's very natural for people who have been in church for a while to start feeling resentful to the new people coming in the church and getting all the attention. This has been like this from the beginning. And Jesus is warning us here, don't be like that. People get upset because we're always celebrating the new people coming to Christ and giving them attention and teaching them and training them and stuff like that. And at some point, the older people start feeling, there's too much energy going towards the newer people. You know, I... I'm not getting the attention. And one of the classic phrases you hear, be careful that you don't talk like this. Be careful to respond to people who talk like this, get in their face, challenge them. But the sure-tell sign of the older brother syndrome is the phrase, I'm not getting fed. I'm not getting fed. Listen, older brothers need to start feeding themselves. They need to take advantage of what's there. Look, the reality is if you really grow in your faith, I promise you, at some point, you're going to become aware that what Marky tells you on a Sunday morning for 30 minutes is not enough. You're going to become aware that it's not enough. This is good. This is good for you. You need to start feeding yourself. You need to start taking advantage Of all the possible ways that you can grow in your faith. And this is probably a sure sign you need to start giving to others. Because when you start giving to others, God will continue to bless and give to you. But when you start becoming aware that the attention is not enough for you. That you're not getting enough spiritual meat and all this other kind of stuff. You know, I've been in churches like that. Quite frankly, I can't stand them. These churches that it's just all about the believers, and they're always encouraging the believers to grow, and they're giving them deep meat and stuff. You know, it's like a little incestuous spiritual circle. They all get blessed, and they're all oh yeah, God's blessing me, woo. Of course, nobody comes in new, nobody gets saved, the church never grows. They're just their little holy group, woo. I don't care about that. I'm not interested in having some little incestuous spiritual group where I'll just get around and just all bless each other, woo. Well, I need more. Feed yourself. (laughs) Grow up. Come on. Somebody say amen. Amen. Y'all looking at me like a bunch of Presbyterians this morning. Come on. Wake up. (laughs) God bless all the Presbyterians watching on TV right now. (laughs) They know what I'm talking about. I have a little grandson, Elliot, nine months old. Little round guy. His is around, his cheeks are around, his eyes are around. He's just round. <laughs> he loves life, enjoys life. But we're constantly paying attention to him. Someone's holding him. It's the nice thing about having a lot of family around. You can always give them off to somebody else. Here, you have them for a while. You have them for a while. He just, he just thinks it's great. Life is good. He has no idea. He's inconveniencing everybody. <laughs> Seriously, no sense about it at all. He just thinks this is normal. This is great. This is fabulous. And we're all giving him all this attention and stuff. It's fine at nine months old. But when he gets to nine years old, it needs to change. When he gets to 19 years old, it needs to really change. If you got a 19-year-old and you're still trying to wake him up in the morning and go to work, Bobby, 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 wake up, Bobby, time to go to... You got a kid like that, you need to kick him out of the house. (laughs) Somebody say amen. But he's my baby. He's my baby. No, he's not. He's a 19-year-old slob. (laughs) At some point, you start growing up, you become self-aware. I'm not getting attention all the time. No one's holding me all the time. (laughs) You can see that with the two and three-year-olds. Homie, homie. No, you're too heavy. But what about me? What about me? You know, at some point you gotta wean them off of that. Somebody say amen. amen. Mommy, feed me, feed me, feed me. Look, when he's 12 years old, if you're still feeding him, you need a swirly. We <laughs> I mean, feed some good. Here you go. E, come on. Yeah. When he's one, that's cool. When he's two, that's cool. When he's 17, it's not cool anymore. It's time to grow up. Don't be like the older brother. Don't get into the older brother syndrome. You start becoming self-aware that, gee, I'm not getting everything I need. Good. Don't sit and whine about it. Get involved. Feed yourself. Start growing. Help others. Minister to others. You go babysit for a while. Somebody say amen. Come on. Don't be the older brother. Dad finally finishes it up. And said, "Listen, we had to celebrate and be glad. I love that. We had to celebrate and be glad. That's why we celebrate in this church. You know, people come in here. It is the first time they're in here. I know it freaks them out a little bit because they come from churches that you know, you sneak in and you're shh. It's like God is really ticked. <laughs> Don't wake him up. <laughs> if I." Can. If I can just get in and out because if he wakes up and sees I'm here, I'm getting my butt kicked. You know what I'm saying? So just, he's really mad. Amen, 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 And everybody get out really quietly, okay? So I know when they, when they come into a church like this, it like freaks them out. You know, they see people raising their hand They think somebody's got a gun to his back. What's happening over there? You know, what's that? Is Somebody raising their hand. But, and what's What's with the music and the celebration? Why do you guys do that? I'll tell you why. Because like this guy says, we had to celebrate and be glad. (laughs) We like to celebrate. We got something to celebrate about. I was going to kick out of these people who were just, way too emotional at that church. (laughs) 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 Too emotional. But then these same cats, put them in the green and gold cathedral come on yeah now they're celebrating Woo! now they're raising their hand yeah come on yeah and they're just doing it for a little pig skin on a field look I dig that that's fun I enjoy that I'm as crazy as the next guy I could be in Lambeau Field you can hear me on the other side of Lambeau Field Pastor Marcus will be here this morning you know what I'm saying but when we come to church, what is this religious? Well, I going to be real quiet. <laughs> no. We got something really to celebrate here. Because this stuff lasts for eternity. That stuff just lasts for a small time. <laughs> don't you sit in here and say, well, I don't get emotional in church. And then go psycho crazy at a game. difference is your heart's more into the game than here that's the reality of it come on man we need to celebrate we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again he was lost and now he is found i'm gonna invite the ushers to come at this time the musicians and come back up as we bring the service to a close where are you at with this in your life this morning maybe you've been coming to church for a long time Maybe this is new to you. You're still freaking out because people are clapping and stuff, you know. But have you come to your senses? Are you aware of the fact that this morning, man, you need God in your life? Whether you're better or worse than the guy next to you is irrelevant. You might be the guy on Mount Everest, but you still cannot touch the stars. Maybe you're the guy in the deepest pit this morning. Say, God won't have anything. I'm too bad. I'm too right. No, 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 no. God loves you. You need not fear him. You might be thinking, he's going to beat me up as soon as I get too close. What you don't understand is the minute you walked into this place, he lit up like a Christmas tree and he's been running towards you. And he just wants to hug you and kiss you. Have you accepted that into your life this morning? We're about to take communion this morning. This is where we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. This incredible sacrifice, the body and the blood of Christ, what makes it possible for saint and sinner alike to be accepted into God's presence because of this wonderful thing called grace and forgiveness. I'd like you all to bow your heads in a word of prayer with me. I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to ask you to repeat this after me. If you'll pray this prayer and believe this in your life, and maybe this is one of the first times in your life you're coming to your senses, but you realize, man, I need God in my life. If you'll pray this prayer with us and really believe this, God can start to work in your heart, and you can start your life of faith this morning. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, and that you loved me so much you went to the cross. And you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender myself to you. Amen.